0: So that's what we looked at last week. So, there's two things that we can take from it. One, it shows us something of what it cost Jesus to become the Lamb of God. Remember, God said to Abraham, or Abraham said to Isaac, some God will provide a sacrifice.' And secondly, it shows us the power of the resurrection. Now, these are some of the words of Jesus. Just listen to them. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was about to be crucified. They were going to arrest him. They were going to have that mock trial. And they were going to crucify him. And he knew that. And he prayed to his father. And we got the passage where Jesus prayed. And how the disciples let him down? He said, pray with me. And they fell asleep. That's what we do, don't we? We're not perfect. We fail. But this is what Jesus said. It's Matthew 26, verse 39. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. You see, it was God's will. Jesus knew what was ahead of him. And he said, if it's possible. Why did he pray that prayer? Because he was in agony, but also so that we might know that it wasn't possible. Because God didn't spare his son. Jesus knew it wasn't possible. We We needed to know that as well. And this was the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham. A promise that would be protected This promise will be protected by God and also by those faithful ones who kept the faith. The people who kept the faith, like we're reading about in Hebrews 11, they weren't perfect, they were far from perfect. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, go through the list, go through the names. Read in the Old Testament, they weren't perfect, they were like us, they were human. They failed, they failed. I had a phrase this week and I forget what it was, and that's what he said might have been on the radio. If you fail, get up and try again. And next time, fail better. (laughs) Yeah, that's great, though, isn't it? I only heard that. I don't know who said it. But I thought, wow, that's great. If you fail, get up and fail better. And that's what these men did. They had that faith that kept them going, even when they failed. And these are the ancients in Hebrews... Chapter 11, verse 2, who are commended for their faith. Why? So that we might learn from them. That's how we learn, don't we? You know, you see, somebody tries, to, a child will watch his dad doing something, and then he'll have a go. <laughs> if do it wrong, but he'll learn. And he'll have another go. And he'll learn, and he'll learn. These men they are mentioned in Hebrews 11, they're there for us to learn. So let's go to the couple of verses that we looked at this morning and have titled this um, The Path of the Promise. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worship as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Three men there that we know a lot about in the Bible. You can read all about their life, all about their, their history Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. You can go right through the whole stories. And the right of the Hebrews just gives us those few little words. Why? Because he's homing in on their faith. That's what I said last week. Remember last week I said, uh, Do you know what a super trooper is? Abba, super trooper, yeah. It's the big spotlight. And when they sing, let the super trooper fall on me, the same saying, mm, let that spotlight fall on me. And the super trooper, the writer of Hebrews has got it, and he's shining in our faith, just, just faith. Everything around is important, but for this time, it's faith that's important. Throughout chapter 11, the book of Hebrews is, as well as us meeting people of faith, we're on a progressive journey with the promise the journey that the promise made you might say what promise Keep saying about this promise this promise that God made what's this promise that God made Well, it goes way back to Genesis it comes right the way through to our day and it goes beyond our day the same promise Genesis 12 verse 2 and 3 God speaks to Abraham I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you I will make your name great, and you will be blessed. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And this is it. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. Right. It's the promise to Abraham. God said, I'm going to bless all the people of the earth. And part of that promise is going to be through you. So let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 8. By faith Abraham went called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he didn't know where he was going. You see, the readers of this letter are being shown that the relationship that they have with God then as a nation this nation of Israel it has always been by faith, belief, trust, and obedience, not works oh yeah, all the good deeds were there they all were part of it but it was by the faith that brought those good works about by faith and that faith led them into belief and the belief led them into trust and the trust led them into obedience faith comes first here's a point at the time of Abraham there was no Jewish nation. Do you realise that? (laughs) There was no Jewish nation so it was Abraham. There was no Mosaic law. And there was no Moses. Not yet. And God had promised Abraham That he will bring out of his seed. A great nation. That nation would be the Jewish nation. But it was beyond that. Because when you come to the New Testament. That message. That part of the promise. That the Jewish nation brought with them. It was given to the rest of the world. So it's for us as well. Now if you go through your Bible. You see, later on, the law would eventually come. That's the law of how they would worship God, how they would live, how they would make the sacrifices in the temple, how they would have the priesthood. That's all part of the promise. And we're told why the law was there. The law was there to alert them of their failings. That's why the law is here. To alert us, that's the civil law that we have, this is God's law, giving to the nation that will be His people, that will bring the fulfillment of the promise to you and I. A law that would alert them to their failings and show them that it would be by their faith in the promise that would lead them to belief, lead them to trust, lead them to obedience, which would then bring the blessing. God for mankind, you and I so, let's just stop for a moment, for us today you know what, we're here why, why are we here, why are we together in this place, why are we gathered around this old book that people keep saying, it's an old book and, it and they've never read it that's the point, when somebody says to you, I oh, had the Bible, that's that's all the rubbish, just say, have you ever read it and they'll say no i will say no. And they probably say, well, I know bits of it and heard about it in school and have been of church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what it means, you know what the boot means. For us today, that part of the promise has been fulfilled. The part where the Messiah has come, where Jesus has come, where he's died on the cross and rose again. That's part of the new covenant. Now, when you say the old covenant, the old covenant, the old promise, the new covenant, the new promise, it's the same promise. It's just that certain things were highlighted. You see, in the old covenant, everything was representative of Jesus. But when you come to the new covenant, it's here, so that's it. Now, the old covenant to served its purpose. It was great. But now, it's no longer needed because the real thing has come I used to have dinky cars I used to push them along. Right. They're representative of what I would have driving a proper car now. Yeah. I don't need that dinky car. It's okay to look back at it. And it did teach me a few things. It told me the front and the back. It told me it went in that direction. But you know, the real thing has come. That served its purpose. is game? You know, the new covenant. The relationship with God is still by faith, it's still by belief, it's still by trust, it's still by obedience, faith, belief, trust, obedience, in the perfect sacrifice of the Lamb of God, who is Jesus. Their faith was in the same sacrifice. And everything that was there in the the old law of the temple and the, the priesthood and all that, it was there so they'd be ready This faith, this hope in the part of the promise that we have, which is Jesus, is what we can have. But that promise goes on. And part of it is still to be fulfilled. His promise to return. And his promise that the faithful will go on that journey to that phrase we've already seen in Hebrews. City whose builder and maker is God. Yeah, that's what we have God to look forward to. So let's just move on again in chapter eleven as we continue on our journey of the promise. Verse twenty: By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Okay, you can read all about that as well. But Isaac by his faith in the future promise that God had made blessed his children this is faith in things unseen his faith is in the promise and his faith is in things unseen because Isaac like all of us he couldn't see the future yet while on his deathbed He showed that he had the assurance of the future. Not really knowing what it was but knowing it was God's hands that God had made the promise that through this promise all nations would be blessed. And he had faith in that promise. And he passed that promise on as he blessed his sons. And I said you can read all about this. If you want to read two chapters in Genesis full chapter 27 and chapter 8 you can read all about that. But the first readers of this Hebrew letter, remember they were Jewish people. It was written only about 30 years after Jesus was crucified. Some of the people reading this letter might have even been there and seen the crucifixion, might have been there at that Passover time and heard him preach. And they were Jewish, because they were Jewish, they would know the Old Testament. They would know the prophets. They would know the law. They would know the sacrifices. They would know a lot of it off by heart because that's how they were taught to recite it. So the writer doesn't have to tell them all that. We've got it in the Old Testament. So, from Abraham. The promise goes to Isaac and it's going to go on to Jacob. Jacob, in like manner, showed his faith in the promise by blessing his sons. Genesis 49, verse 1. And Jacob called for his sons and said, Gather round so that I can tell you what will happen to you in days to come. He didn't know what those events would be in the future. He didn't know the future. But he knew that God would keep his promise. He didn't know how God would keep his promise. But he knew that he would. He knew that it was important. And he knew that God would make a great nation. This is Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Now, both 12 sons would be the 12 tribes of Israel. Who had got, He didn't know that. He just knew that God would do it. And the important thing is, he trusted in what he didn't really know, other than the fact that it would happen. Because he trusted God by faith. Jacob, not realising it, was building the nation. He'd given birth to 12 sons. And Jacob's name would be changed. You read about that in Genesis 32, verse 28. You see, God changed Jacob's name. He changed his name to Israel. His name was Israel. Oh, Jacob, your name's Israel might have a nickname and be known by those two names this wasn't a nickname this is a natural name and then all of Israel would be known as the children of Jacob the children of Israel that's where the word comes from he too has faith in things still not see he's saying this on his deathbed and Jacob Jacob also speaks to Joseph, one of his sons, and he speaks to Joseph. What does he tell him about? About his faith in the promise. Why, so that Joseph can have his faith in the promise. And the writer of the Hebrews shares us with this. Uh, shares this with us in verse twenty-one, of chapter eleven, the verse that we read. By faith, when he was dying, look, by faith, Jacob. When he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons, and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. I'll stop for a moment. Okay, maybe you think God—it's his walking stick, you know. Maybe his legs are gone. I don't know. He's an old man, and he probably did use it for that. But that was the staff that he had. That was his identification as being a pilgrim. Read the life of Jacob, who's was a pilgrim. He traveled through the land. He had his staff. A pilgrim. So remember that word? Jacob was a pilgrim. He was on a journey, a journey directed by God. And at the end of his life, he was still faithful to God's promise. Genesis 48, verse 1 and 2. I'll share this with you to get a picture of what was happening in Genesis. Sometime later, Joseph was told, Your father is ill. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, along with him. And when Jacob was told, Your son Joseph has come to you, Israel rallied his strength and sat up in bed. She's used the two names there. Jacob and then Israel. He sat up in bed. The passage goes on. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me in, at Bloods in the land of Canaan. And there he blessed me and said to me, I'm going to make you fruitful and increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples and I will give this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. This is the promise the promise for the descendants of Jacob, the children of Israel. Joseph, great character, great stories there. We haven't got time to go through them this morning because we're just looking at his faith. But I just want to say that when you read the life of Joseph, he's very often pictured as being a portrait of Christ, a portrait of Jesus, because of the way he lived his life, the things that he went through. By faith, Joseph when his end was near. So now Joseph is on his left Spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. <clears throat> so this is Joseph. Joseph who saved the children of Israel, his brothers and his father from starvation. But before that, he suffered. He suffered at the hands of his brothers. They sold him into slavery. And Joseph then finished up in Egypt. Then he was wrongly accused. Then he was in prison. And through those early years, Joseph kept his faith in the Lord. That big struggle. Imagine, your brothers hate you because they think, you know, oh, you're a bit of a big enemy anyway. They sell him into slavery. He goes into Egypt. He, 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 he gets uh, brought by Potiphar who gives him a job and Potiphar's wife makes a move towards him because Joseph will have nothing to do with that. She goes off and tells stories about him, tells Potiphar that you know he, he attempted to uh, whatever. And <laughs> he was in prison and he was there for a long time. But then his life changed. Because he, he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. And Pharaoh put him in control of, of the harvest when the famine came. So this now is a tale of rags to riches. He was second in command in Egypt now. You know what? He kept his faith. That's that's he kept it through poverty and hardship. But he kept it through the riches of Egypt. Song of faith. And when he had the opportunity to seek revenge on his brothers, what did he do? He showed them mercy and forgiveness and he welcomed them. Yeah. To the picture of the life of Joseph. Joseph, who by faith kept his belief in the promise that God had made to Abraham, Isaac. His father Jacob. How strong was that belief in that promise? That belief of Joseph went on after his death. This is what we read. Joseph didn't know what would happen. But for God's promise to be fulfilled. He knew that Egypt wasn't the promised land. He knew that although his life's journey was over, like his father Jacob, he knew that the promise would go on, the journey of the promise. That's what we read in Genesis 50, 24 to 26. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. But God will surely come to your aid. And take you up out of this land to the land he promised. An oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones from this place. So Joseph died at the age of a hundred and ten. And after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. So he died in Egypt. He was embalmed, he was placed in a coffin. Then we go forward, we go into Exodus 13, so verse 19. Moses, you're going to look at Moses because he's in that great chapter of faith. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph would make the Israelites swear an oath. And it said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. And then we go further on. We go into the book of Joshua. When Moses is now gone, and the promise is still there, the promise is still on his journey. And Joseph's bones with the Israelites, which the Israelites brought up the region, were buried at Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for 100 pieces of silver from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. This became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants. So that's the land of Shechem. And, and you, can, you can go there. Go to uh, Israel, you see. But just to round things up, I just want to conclude, and I want to just pull out one or two things that we can apply to ourselves. The first one is, we're looking at the hope and the faith that these people have, they're being commended for it, and they're here in Hebrew, so that we can learn from them. Isaac. Okay. This is our hope. Isaac wasn't perfect. But he could be an illustration of the one who was perfect in every way when abraham was about to slay his son isaac he had found isaac and made him on the altar isaac would have been a lot younger than his father but he allowed his father to do that an illustration of jesus but there's a difference Isaac was never made a sacrifice, but Jesus was, because Isaac wasn't really not. None of us are. The only one is Jesus. Why? Because he's perfect. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 in the New Testament, God made him, this is Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, Right? God makes us righteous. We don't make ourselves righteous. We make righteous through the faith and belief we have in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Hebrews, further on in the book of Hebrews, I'll go back in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, it's on about the high priest. The writer of Hebrews says how everything was great in the old covenant. You know, the the priests were great, the high priest was great, the sacrifice was great, but under the the new covenant, Jesus is greater. He never belittles any of that, the writer of Hebrews. He says how great it is, and then he raises Jesus above it. And when he speaks about the high priest, he says this, unlike the other high priest, this is Jesus, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, because he had none, and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all. When he offered himself, the Lord appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, for the oath which came after the Lord appointed the son who has been made perfect in every way sinless secondly our journey Jacob who wasn't perfect but who lived a life as a faithful pilgrim to the promise Okay. John 14 verse 1 this is when Jesus spoke to his disciples Jesus was about to leave them he's about to be crucified and he's about to send them on their journey. Their journey of faith. Their journey of faith. Their journey of trust. So he wanted to help them on that journey. They are going to be filled And he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? But if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And I'll ask that a bit. Because, really, we have a hope in Christ. We're on a journey through this life and into the next So, thirdly, our walk. How do we live that life? How do we walk? Joseph, who was not perfect, but whose life reflected the perfect life of Jesus. Colossians 2, verse 6 to 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. It's how we are to walk. It's not easy, but it's not perfect. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord, continue to live your life in Him, rooted in that foundation, built on Him, not on what we need. Strengthened, not by our efforts, but by faith. This is how we were taught this morning, and then overflow thankfulness. It's just Father, we do thank you for your word we just like your blessing upon us now, as we continue in your presence. I'm just going to have a short time of fellowship around our table, and then I'll just